Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. I want to jump right into it. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we saw it last week. Life is broken down in seasons. Everybody read it with me. For everything there is a, a time for... Well, there you go. And we found out last week, obviously, that we are not all in the same season. We found out that some of us are going through these times, and some of us are going through other times. And point number one from last week is this season won't last. The season, come on, read it. The season I am in right now will not last. Now, how many of you feel like you're in a really good season? Would you raise your hand? And that scares you a little. Well, whoever said that life's supposed to go good, bad, good, bad, good, bad? Who said that? God didn't say that. What about it just going good, better, 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 even better, blow my mind, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean that because your season's not going to last very long that your good season's going out the window. It might just mean that you're getting a better one coming. But if you're in a season that you're ready to get rid of, that's also very good news to you, the season that you are in right now will not last. So therefore, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon wraps it up, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 12. So I conclude that there is nothing better than, come on, to be happy, help me, and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat, everybody say the next one, and drink, and enjoy the fruits of their labor. How come? Read it, come on. They're gifts of God. They're gifts of God. That's right. Teaching point number two, I am to enjoy myself and be happy in this temporary season. I am to enjoy myself and be happy in this temporary season. Next teaching point, I will get something positive out of every season in my life. Really? How come? Well, take a look at it on the side screen, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that God causes it. God causes everything to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I cannot tell you how many times I've had to go to Romans 8.28. God, I know this is going to work out for good. I know this is going to be a good thing. I know this is going to be a positive thing in my life. This season that you have me going through right now, I want to learn everything you want me to learn. And Lord, if you can put me on the fast track, let me learn it quicker and get me out of this season, the better. If you'll just do that for me, I appreciate it. But I know I'm not going through this for nothing. I'm going through this for a reason, and it's going to work out to good. So how are we supposed to be happy? How are we supposed to enjoy? How are we supposed to get something positive out of different seasons in our lives, especially when some of the seasons that you and I are going through, as we talked about last week, as we experienced in this room at the end of the service last week, how are we supposed to get something positive and good and Enjoy during during tough seasons. Daniel chapter eleven thirty two. Here it is. But the people that do know their God, say it with me, shall be strong and do exploits, knowing, being, and doing. And it only works in that order. 
Well, I want to know God, so I'm going to do, 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 do. It's not going to work for you. Well, i got to be better. If I could just be better, then I could know him more. No, that's not going to work for you either. There is something life-changingly powerful in the whole structure of knowing, (laughs) of being, and of doing. Knowing. Knowing God. Well, it's Sunday morning, Pastor. It's 9 o'clock service. I mean, we just had a worship service. Everybody in this room knows God, right? No, not necessarily. I mean, you might be surprised how many come to church and they know church and they know the property and they know the layout and they know church services and they know how to sing. But they're not really even sure God likes them. And as a result of not really knowing God, they've never settled in or tucked into a relationship with him then they're not really working the promises of God in their life because they're not really sure God is even talking to them yet. They feel like maybe they hadn't been good enough or they've got to be more of this or they've got to get this out of their life or that out of their life in order to be able to win his approval, to be able to know him on another level. Oh, listen, everything begins with you knowing God on a personal level. That's why we do what we do. That's why we are a church in Grand Junction. That's why we have outreaches to other places. We do what we do so people might know God through a personal relationship through Jesus Christ. And so that you might grow that relationship with God through the help of the Holy Spirit who gifts you, guides you, and, and equips you to be able to do so. Everything begins with knowing God. You see, when you know somebody, you pretty much know what they said, right? Somebody called me up and said, hey, you know, Scott said this and said that. Well, I know Scott. And because I know him, I can immediately say, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think God, Scott said that. Matter of fact, that's not even how Scott would structure a sentence. He said exactly, that's not even how he talks. I know him. Hold on just a minute. Scott, uh, did you say... No, see, I told you, he didn't, he didn't say that. But I knew he didn't say it before I talked to him. Well, Pastor, I'll tell you right. God said that I can leave my wife and hook up with the secretary at work. No, see, you know, no, no, God, God didn't say that. I know him. I know him. Matter of fact, let's just, let's just talk to him right now. Look here, look here. No, he didn't say that, did he? God said I can be blessed without tithing. Really? Really? He made an exception for you over everybody else on the planet. I don't think God said it. Let me say, no, no, you're under a curse. No. You got, you got that one right. He didn't say that. See, because when you know someone, you know what they would say, right? Hmm. Really knowing God takes time. It takes seasons and experiences that you go through in this life with him. Paul said, now this is the apostle Paul. He said, I, I want to know Christ. Really, Paul, you don't know him yet? I want to know Christ and experience, he said, the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And I have to know him so I can be. Knowing him so I can be. Now, God is defining me from the very core of my being when he said that. 
I know him so he can define me from the very core of my being. God does this. Not your mama, not your friends, not social media. God is the one who defines your being from your knowing. And God says, because you know me, you're going to be what? Strong. Knowing God means being strong. So you might fall down in some season you're going through right now, but you have enough strength to always get back up. Why? Because of the knowing stage. I might be in this situation, but you're strong in that situation because of the knowing. Proverbs 24, 16 said, The godly may trip seven times. Everybody read it with me. But they what? They will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the weaklings. I'm sorry, I mean the wicked. Right? How many of you have had one disaster in your life, and look at you, you're still standing? Would you raise your hand? Well, you just put yourself into a category of being strong because you know your God. Wicked people don't survive. They... I'm just saying. Or something like that. Maybe something else. I don't even know. The enemy knows... That if you know God, he can't keep you down. Look at this on the side screen. The only time you fail is when you fall down and you stay down. And you know why you stay down? Because the enemy starts attacking your thinking. The enemy attacks your mind. That's the battlefield. And you then, in that attack, while you're down, you start to forget who you belong to. And if you forget, wait a minute, I know, I know God. I know what he said. I can't stay down. I'm strong enough to get up if I just get up. Well, the enemy starts getting in your head and says, maybe you're not even a child of God. This wouldn't have happened to you if you were a child of God. If you loved him more now, if you loved him more, he'd love you more, and this would have never happened to you. And all of a sudden, you're beating yourself up, going, well, I'm not good enough. Maybe I deserve this. Maybe I shouldn't have a better life. Maybe I'm not supposed to be happy. And the enemy's just doing this assault on your thinking. That's why, look at this point, my attitude is critically important in every season in my life. Read this with me. My attitude is critically important in every season in my life. Maybe you should have spoken that to the person sitting beside you. Your attitude, right? Because this is so very important. When I was 17, 18, and 19 years of age, And I really began to study God's Word. One of the first studies, topical studies, that I ever did in God's Word was on the topic of attitude. I'd gone to seminars, some seminars and some classes and some conferences where I learned about a guy named Zig Ziglar. Anybody know him? How about Dr. Norman Vincent Peale? Does anybody know him? How about Dr. Robert Schuller? Does anybody know, remember him? Oh, my God. It really, some of you. Dr. Robert Schuller, the Glass Cathedral in California, his son took the church. You got, wow. Well, the, I mean, I'm dating myself. This is 40 years ago. These guys were like on the scene, and they were the speakers of motivational conferences. 
I mean, if you hadn't heard Zig Ziglar, man, you hadn't heard the world's greatest speaker on the topic of motivation of a, of a positive mental attitude. And I mean, I, I was studying these guys. I was reading after these guys. A guy named Charlie Tremendous Jones was also back in that day. And you say, well, who are those guys today? Joel Osteen would be one. You ever listen to his message? It is positive mental attitude, service after service, week after week. I mean, you could just hear it all the time from Joel. Joyce Myers is another one in her kind of way. She does it. She's another one today that does that. Lots of them are on the scene that Brian Houston from Hill Songs is kind of, you know, one of those kind of motivational guys, you know. But I found out very quickly in the Word of God that there is a humanistic standpoint from a PMA, a positive mental attitude, which is totally different, totally different from a faith-filled positive attitude. See, there's a difference me standing in the mirror every, Sunday, every, Monday, every Monday morning and looking in the mirror and going, this is going to be a good day because you're good enough, you are smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. As opposed to, morning, Father. You made me, didn't you? You created me to be who I am. You put greatness in me. You've given me the power to get up again. There's nothing comes across my desk I can't handle. Or <laughs> we can't handle. I can do all things through Christ. I, yeah, I'm more than a conqueror. Yeah, I'm the head, not the tail. Woo! I've never been unloved. Never been unforgiven. Oh, man, I've never been forsaken. I mean, oh, my gosh. God, thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm loved beyond measure. Look at here. I'm constantly being thought of. I'm strengthened and I'm gifted. Well, God, I got this in, don't I? I got this. Matter of fact, God, man, you can do anything. Now let's get after it. That's a little different, isn't it? Because a positive mental attitude of you're good enough and you're smart enough, you, you, really by yourself, you, that's about an inch deep, and it's not going to take you to the cemetery one time without you crashing and burning, not once. But, oh, man, when I begin to study how important it is to have a great attitude through every season of life, whoo, things start to change. Because I'm going to tell you something. You will set yourself apart from everybody else at the workplace, at home, in your neighborhood if you will just decide. Knowing God, being who he made me to be. God, who would you make me to be? Remind me again this morning. And hitting it with a positive, faith-filled attitude. You will stand out everywhere that you go. Oh, man. So now, if I'm going to have this positive, faith-filled attitude through every season of my life, I've got to know some triggers for depression and unhealthy, negative thinking. Because if the enemy is going to attack my mind, there are the normal things that he uses. Relationships, somebody hurt your feelings, somebody said this, you got passed over for a raise, a promotion, friend didn't call you. I mean, there's all those normal things that might cause you to go negative, might, you know, it, it, it cause you to be maybe even depressed, but, but let me give you some that aren't listed from 20 years ago. 
Well, a couple of them are, but, but let me just give you the top five that I just wrote down in my notes. Certain types of medication will make you depressed and negative. Do you know the number one thing a counselor does the first, when, when somebody comes into their office for the first time? Are you ready for this? Are you on any medications? Can I see them? Let's look up the side effects of them. Because somebody will walk in and they'll go, oh, man, I am irritable. I'm not feeling good. I don't know what's wrong with me. I am negative. I, I, I don't sleep in at night. And, I, and, and, and I've even had suicidal thoughts and maybe even tendencies. And we go, okay, what are you taking? Okay, let's look that up. Okay, side effects may cause sleeplessness, irritability, thoughts of suicide, or maybe even tendencies. That'll be $140. Thank you. Right. And it, it's very possible, and, and we, we tell people this all the time, if you're on medication, check the side effects. You could solve the problem by just going back going, hey, I take me off this medication and put me on another one, or maybe I don't even need it anymore. But you got to be real careful with all types of medication. I mean, all, I, I, I came in with a sore throat, and now I'm thinking about killing myself. Have you noticed the suicide rate gone up? Hmm, I wonder why. Too much TV or Facebook? Woo! Too much TV or Facebook? The experts have even coined this term, Facebook depression. Now, am I saying TV is bad? No, I'm just saying too much of it can depress you. Am I saying Facebook is bad? No, everybody be honest. Everybody be honest. How many times have you ever gone, have you ever gone onto social media and felt worse after you spent a time on it. Would you raise your hand? Oh, there you go. Just All I'm saying is be careful, it's a trigger. No sense of life purpose is another one. Here's another one. Constantly being around negative, complaining people is a trigger. You say, well, man, I, there's nobody that's positive and not complaining around me. Well, then start your own group. What do you think this is here? Start your own group. Dwelling on a negative thought. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that we are to capture your thoughts. Think about what you're thinking about. Capture it. You don't have to think about that. Just because that thought popped into your head doesn't mean you've got to think about it more than a second. If it's negative, if it's not going anywhere. I always say this about a negative thought. A negative thought is like a snowball. There it is. Right there. See it? There you go. And you can capture it. And you can throw it away. Or you can roll it and roll it and roll it and roll it until it becomes so foreign to the situation that brought on the thought in the first place. There is no reality to it at all. So you capture it. You get rid of it. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. Woo, it's too big. I don't know. What am I going to do? The Bible says in Proverbs 24.10, if you fail under pressure, your strength's too small. Well, what do I do about getting bigger strength? Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. Who's our, who's our strength? Well, it goes right back to knowing God, doesn't it? It all just goes right back, funnels right back in. To knowing God, teaching point. I will experience great wealth in every season of my life. I will experience great wealth 
in every season of my life. I know. Let me have a second. I know that I'm not the oldest person in this room. By looking at some of you, not, not by a long shot. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, looked, I was going to be nice today. But please believe me when I tell you that after 40 years of ministry, I have lived a lot of life. And I have personally experienced a whole bunch of different seasons in my own life and in the lives of many others. And there are some lessons in this world that you're going to have to learn by hearing them because you do not have enough days or enough years to walk everything you think out only to get to the same conclusion your forefathers got to, which was what God said in the first place. So you can't waste your whole life just going, well, that didn't work for you. It might work for me, and there you go. And 60, 65 years of age, you're exactly where you would have been if you learned it at 20. So I'm going to tell you after 40 years of ministry um, something that I pray that you learn, you learn right now. And that is the secret to great wealth. Take a look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Godliness and contentment. Great wealth. Godliness with contentment. Godliness, here you go, can I let, it's just a life that's just all about God. That, that'll nail it. A life that's all about God. That, call it, do all religiosity type talk, whatever. It, just a life He's all about God. I'm not talking about being a fanatic. It's just your work's about God. Your income's about God. You're raising your kids are about God. This marriage, well, honey, this is we're, we're all about God here in this marriage. This home's all about God. My, life, my, my life's just all about God. I'm on the golf course swinging. Boom! Woo! Thank you, God. That was woo! You know, it's just everything's just all about God. This meal, God, thank you for it. Your, your life's just all about God. This all contentment. Do I have the definition of contentment? No? Let's check with Siri. Siri, what... You can change Siri. Siri, what does the word contentment mean? Contentment means a state of happiness and satisfaction. Oh, looky there. Well, you can't argue with Siri. <laughs> a state of happiness and satisfaction. So what do you got? You got a life that's all about God in a state of happiness and satisfaction. That means with God, you can choose to be happy oh, and satisfied in every season of your life. Walking through the cemetery, Father God, thank you so much for this person. They enriched my life, and I will never be the same because of them. Thank you. They had a relationship with you. They're home in heaven. I'm going to hug their neck again. One of these days going to be forever. Woo! God, thank you. I'm hurting right now, and i got a hole inside of me, and I'm grieving. But I'm satisfied with your presence. I'm satisfied with your goodness, and I'm satisfied with your decision. Because you know God. And in every season... Great wealth doesn't come with more or 
and it doesn't come with the next season. It comes with God and choosing to be happy and satisfied in this one. Humor me a little bit while I, while I take you on a journey. When my family came to Grand Junction, Colorado, we bought a house in the ridges for $62,000. And I looked it up the other day. It was under 1,400 square feet, and it needed to be remodeled. But, man, we, we, we loved it because it was our first Colorado house, and it had greenery and landscaping around it that smelled like Colorado and coming up around ski trips. We loved it. Lots of evergreens. It was really cool. And so we began to work on it together. But at the same time, we had an A-frame church with 19 adults over in a neighborhood by the college. And it needed remodel. So we began to remodel that. So I'm working on remodel at the church. And we're trying to get more people to come. And, 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 and I'm working on a remodel at home. And, and we're, we're just fixing the house up. And I'm doing landscaping work. I'm just working, working, working. And I loved it. I loved it. The church began to grow, the A-frame, people began to get saved, man. People started coming. It was cool and parking everywhere. It was so awesome. And Mrs. Miller's cooking meals for us on work days. And I got to know Debbie Pilon. I got to know Sue Knight. I got to know Wilma Chandler. You say, man, did you have a church full of women? Yes, we did. We had a church full of women. And they worked like nobody's business. And even though we were in a little neighborhood and a little house and we're working all the time, I loved I loved that season. I loved it. Loved that house. We sold it, made a lot of money on it, but I loved it. And then we, the church moved to North Avenue. Another big remodel on the table. We became the fastest growing church in a five-state area for the next five years running. And people started coming in. And we're training staff and hiring staff. And here we go. I mean, we are on a, woo, man, we are on a ride. And people came into the church that were bad with an enemy's agenda. And I didn't recognize them because I had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit then. And I did not have the spirit of discerning, the, the gift of discerning the spirits. So I just took them all in, hugged them all up. And man, before you knew it, people were getting saved. Things were happening. Man, I'm taking people into the church and I'm kicking people out of the church. It was awesome. That just fits my personality anyway. I loved it. And I loved that season. And then we put that building up for sale, and we moved into the Avalon Theater, and we bought this piece of property right here. When we were in the Avalon Theater, I would get down there real early. Dan used to be on a truck at either 3.30 to 5.30 in the morning. He and another group of guys would show up at the Avalon, depending on whether or not they had a concert the night before and how many beer bottles or beer cans were on, underneath the seats where our people were going to sit. And so he would, he would do that, and I'd get there early, and I'd start walking the streets. We had the do zoo for the children's ministry. I had a little office that I never used over there across the hall from uh, uh, the winery. Never, never used it. Because when I hit, the, hit downtown, man, I'd start walking the streets, and I experienced warfare, spiritual warfare, on a level where I had never experienced it before. It was incredible. And at the Avalon Theater, our church became a worshiping church, not just a singing song church, but a pouring out their heart and loving on God church. And out of sheer survival, 
I went to the World Prayer Center and I had an 80-year-old pastor put his hand on my bald head. And you know how a small guy's like that. Had to put his hand on my bald head and his wife put her hands on my shoulders and he prayed over me. And I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I received the gift of discerning of spirits. And I received a prayer language. Now don't let that freak any of y'all out. You can still go to heaven without a prayer language. You're going to be all right. But I was desperate just to survive it. And I loved that season. And then we built the 4640 building and we had modulars out here for the children. Anybody remember that? Oh my gosh, it was busy. But I loved that season. Then we built the children's wing, got rid of the modulars, then we built the administrative building. And, and then all of a sudden, seven years later, we're starting to build this building. Dan goes to Chicago to a conference with pastors. He comes back and he says, we need to double the size of our lobby. We grabbed the builder said, double the size of that lobby. Woo! We doubled the size of that lobby. And we got in this building on a Christmas Eve, right? Seven years after we planned to get in this building. And I love, I love this season co-pastor and with my son, things are great. Then all of a sudden, bam, heart attack. Man, I'm reeling from it, scared my wife to death. I'm like, God, are you taking me home? What's going on here? Me and Dan switched positions and co-pastors from the senior lead. Boom, he took the senior lead. I started recovering from this heart attack, man. I can do stairs again. I can go on runs again. I can work out again. Oh, yeah, I can go hunting. I can go hunting and get off my four-wheeler again. I'm not hunting from a chair anymore. No, 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 I'm preaching now. I'm hunting. And then I go to my son and I say, hey, how can I best help you? How can I best help you in this season? And he said, I say, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? And he said, you are the pop-pop pastor. You can say anything you want to say. And you can do anything you want to do. And I love this season. I went straight home, told my wife. I said, I just talked to our son. And he said, I could say anything I want to say. And I can do anything I want to do. And she goes, oh, honey, that's nice. Now take out the trash. (laughs) Here's what I want you to hear. If you are not loving and enjoying and content in the season you're in right now, you won't be with a few more square feet on your house. You won't be with a newer car. You won't be happier with another job, a bigger business, a bigger church, another person, even more money than you're making right now. None of that's going to do it. None of those will give you the kind of great wealth that just comes with making your life all about God and being content. Now, contentment doesn't mean you're going to stay in the same spot for the rest of your life. It just means I'm happy and satisfied in this place. More does not drive your happiness and satisfaction. Oh, God, I hope you hear that. More does not drive your happiness and satisfaction. Oh, man, being a pastor of a really cool church in Grand Junction, Colorado, woo, that ought to do it for a pastor. 
It didn't. And it doesn't. And it never will. And every place. If I wasn't happy and satisfied before I got there, I wouldn't have been when I got there. Listen very closely, though. Listen very closely. Your life being all about God and choosing to be happy and satisfied kind of leads you to receiving more. I'll let that one sink in a minute. Your life being all about God and choosing to be happy and satisfied in this season kind of leads you to receiving more. Because you know what God sees then? A very grateful child. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you again next week.